back here on WrestleRant Radio for Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2020, as always being joined by the master of the Christmas ceremonies himself, Mr. Marceau RJ. Welcome back to the show, brother. How are you? Doing well, GSM. How are you? Doing excellent. Are you in the holiday spirit? It's Christmas Eve. Well, not Christmas Eve as we speak right now, but we're dropping this on Christmas Eve. We're mere days away from one of, if not the greatest day of the year, aside from the birthday of Mr. Marceau, of course, because I know that you'd probably put that at number one. How are you feeling? You feeling the Christmas spirit? I'm feeling good. Got uh, Home Alone 2 queued up for tonight. <laughs> what, is that the 501st time or the 502nd time? 500 seconds. Ah, okay, 500 seconds. Where's the Santa hat? I feel like we're speaking over audio right now, but I, I can't see the Santa hat on your head, like, visually. Oh, it's on. Don't worry. The Santa hat is on. It's on. It better be. It better be. Mr. Marceau better be in the Christmas spirit, but we've already talked about our favorite movies. We've already talked about it. Our... Did you just burp on the phone? <laughs> no. I thought I heard a burp there. My chair, my chair. Ah, okay, okay. Because I heard a burp before when you were eating your turkey sandwich. Uh, not a Subway exclusive, right? That was a, that was a turkey sandwich you made yourself. No, that was a that was a homemade sandwich. Homemade sandwich, even better. So uh, we're off to a strong start here on the show, burps and all. Even though it wasn't a burp, it sounded like one. Uh, we have a lot to talk about here today. And when I when I say a lot, I mean not a lot at all. In that we have the TLC and Monday Night Raw to review from this past week. We are recording this, as I said, on Wednesday, December twenty third. Meaning we haven't watched NXT yet. We haven't watched Dynamite yet. There's really not a lot to talk about. It wasn't really all that newsworthy of a week, which is. Kind of what I like going into my Christmas season, going into the Christmas week. Um, but we did have TLC on Sunday, which I thought overall was one of the better shows of the year. Mr. Marceau, you asked me over text. Now I'm going to ask you, was TLC the show of the year for you in 2020? And I know we have the award show next week. We'll talk more about that next week. But off the top of your head, where does that rank for the best pay-per-views of 2020 for you? I would say it's top three, maybe top five i mean royal, i really thought royal rumble was probably the best show of the year um tlc was good though I, I i didn't think there was any real negatives on the show i thought the show top to bottom was good it was short and sweet um and like i said i, I just didn't think there's anything bad in the show that was like oh that sucked they didn't really have any filler everything kind of meant meant something and it made sense where it was so I would say it's probably behind royal rumble maybe SummerSlam. i thought wrestlemania was good as well so mm-hmm. i'd say that was probably the best B pay-per-view of the year, I would say. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you said um, over text to me, you said Rumble, you said SummerSlam, and you said TLC. And then I thought to myself after the fact, well, what about WrestleMania? Because WrestleMania was pretty good too, even though, I mean, obviously it was the first pandemic pay-per-view of any kind anywhere. And um, I thought they did a pretty good job with it. But we'll talk more about that next week when we break down the 2020 WWE slash NXT slash AEW Year in Review Awards. One final plug right here in the show, because next week we're only a week away, Mr. Marceau, from breaking down the results and reviewing the winners of the 8th Annual Year in Review Awards, not only covering Raw and SmackDown, but also NXT, NXT UK, and AEW. So there's a lot to vote there, a lot to vote for, a lot to break down. We're going to break down every single category, as we always do right here on the show next Thursday, which I'm looking forward to on the New Year's Eve edition of WrestleRant Radio, the final one of 2020 before we close out this just absolute mess of a year and welcome in 2021 and ring in the new year. But before we get to that, though, again, we got to talk TLC and Monday Night Raw in what was one of the better shows of the year, as you said as well. Um, did you catch the kickoff, the eight-man tag team match in the kickoff, RJ? <laughs> no. Do you ever watch the kickoff? No, I don't have time for that. Jesus, the show starts at so. seven. That's when I watch it. 
Show starts at 7, so that's when he watches it. Okay, as you said, but I thought it was a good match. It saw Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan, Otis, and Chad Gable knock off the team of Sami Zayn, King Corbin, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Cesaro, setting up Big E and Sami Zayn in what we now know will be a lumberjack match for the Intercontinental Championship on Friday night. Uh, again, we're recording this on Wednesday, goes up on Thursday, still before SmackDown. If you listen to this after SmackDown, it's probably irrelevant, but uh, what's your prediction, Mr. Marceau, for the Christmas Day SmackDown on Friday between Big E and Sami Zayn? Are we getting a new Intercontinental Champion? Oh, easily. Big win on, I'm calling it now Big E with a big win on on Friday Night SmackDown. It's going to be a Christmas miracle for the former New Day member? I, I can't say former because he's currently part of the New Day, but you think it's going to be like a Christmas miracle type thing? Yes, sir. It reminds me when Rusev actually won the United States Championship on Christmas. Uh, I think it was two years ago. I'm pretty sure it was two years ago. They did a SmackDown Christmas too. It will not be a live show, thank God. No need for it to be live. It'll be a pre-taped SmackDown. But, you know, I, I like the Christmas shows. Personally, I, I'm a I'm a sucker for the old Miracle on 34th Street fight. Uh, do you have any favorite Miracle, and not Miracle on 34th Street, uh, Street fight specifically, Mr. Marceau, but any favorite Christmas-related memories as it, you know, goes as it uh, relates to WWE? Uh, I mean, honestly, I can't even think of one. Maybe, pretty cool was. I remember getting in 05, someone got their ass kicked and they were dressed as Santa, but I can't remember who it was. Was it someone from Tough Enough, or that was 04, I think? Yeah, I can't remember. I'm trying to think who beat the shit out of him. Uh, Maybe Kurt Angle? No, not Kurt Angle. Kurt oh, Angle was on Raw at that point, I think. JBL? I don't know. No, you know who was Nunzio? I think it was Nunzio, and he got... I'm trying to think who beat him up. <laughs> Nunzio. I'm going to go to the archive and see if I can find this. It was probably JBL. So you're telling me right now that your favorite Christmas memory as it pertains to WWE isn't Alberto El Patron getting run down by a car. Or actually, he was the one who hit Santa Claus with a car on Christmas Eve eight years ago. I mean, that's definitely not my favorite. I miss I miss El Patron. <laughs> of course you do. That piece of shit. But yeah, so as you're doing that, we'll break down the first match on the card here. Um, it was a triple threat TLC match for the WWE Championship. Drew McIntyre, AJ Styles, and The Miz. Um, a very good match. You're obviously starting out as McIntyre and AJ Styles. The Miz interjected himself halfway through, cashing in his money in the bank briefcase uh, to make it a triple threat match, a la WrestleMania 31 with Rollins, Lesnar, and Reigns. Um, the early part of the match was great. I thought adding Miz in there was very smart because it made it very unpredictable as far as the outcome was concerned. And I like this a lot. AJ sold his ass off for McIntyre. McIntyre was great. Um, just a very, very good opener, and it saw McIntyre retain the title as he should have as he walks into the new year still the WWE champion. So what were your thoughts on this, Mr. Marceau? It was one of my, probably my favorite match in the entire show. Yeah, it was a good match. I was honestly surprised it started the show off. Um, if it wasn't going to main event, it should have probably started the show off just because with the TLC matches, you obviously don't want those back-to-back. So start having that one first and then Roman and KO being kind of like the semi-main event made sense, not like overkill with the TLC stipulation. But no, I thought this was great. Uh, McIntyre looked good. AJ bumped and sold very well. And uh, Miz coming at the end did bring some uncertainty. I, I, I didn't expect Miz to win. I, I kind of figured Drew would retain here. So that was good. And then, I mean, yeah. I mean, it was a good match. Good start of the show. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably say it was my match of the night, probably. So started the show off good. But I think it was a good match. I think the rest of the show kind of followed suit in that as well. 
I saw some people say, not a lot, very few fans, but I saw some people say, oh, this was a joke of a cash-in, what a terrible cash-in, he didn't cash-in successfully. Listen, Mr. Marceau, you know few bigger Miz fans than myself. I had no desire to see him win the championship here, just because he's been booked so badly in 2020, at least since he and Morrison dropped the SmackDown tag titles, as you said last week, earlier on in the year. But, I mean, there was absolutely no reason for them to be for him to become a WWE champion on this show. I thought the way they did it was great because there was a chance with it being a triple threat, he didn't have to pin McIntyre. There was a chance that he could have become champion here. And I, I thought the way they did this cash in was great. And yeah, was it a waste of a cash in? Absolutely. In terms of like it was such a wash of a year for the money in the bank briefcase, at least for the guys. I feel like that briefcase is starting to become cursed with how it's been booked in the last couple of years. Oh, completely. I, I, the money in the bank, like, not even that. Well, I'm trying to think of the old times. I mean, I don't really remember being. I think more of anything now. It's not even that curse. It's just you win it, and then they book you like a loser. And then when you win it, they expect people to care about you, which makes no sense. But lately, no one's. I don't even, couldn't even tell you the last person that cashed in. Cashed in actually was successful. So that's another. Um, I guess bad note on the cash in. But like, even when people would cash in. They'd be coming off losing streaks, and they're like, "Oh, why do people not care about this person?" Well, they've been losing for the last couple of months, so Jack Swagger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like <laughs> before they would cash in, but they were losers, so no one cared. And then, I mean, when Braun won it, I was hoping he would cash in successfully. He didn't. Otis, I mean, who gives a shit? Miz. It just and now it's just like coming to a point that they cash in. They just never, never cash in successfully. Like Baron Corbin didn't, and I just, I don't know. I just. What's the point of putting the briefcase on them? You're not going to, like, the whole point of putting it on them is, like, to give them that chance that they normally wouldn't get and, like, elevate them. But lately, they haven't been doing that at all. So, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But, I mean, I thought, uh, I mean, Drew's the one, Drew's the the guy, and Miz taking the belt off him, I don't think would have done any, any good for the WWE. So, I have no uh, ill will for him not cashing in. I mean, it's actually benefited the women more than it has the men. You mentioned, or you forgot to mention Brock, but I mean, did it elevate Brock? Obviously not. Brock can't go any higher than he is right now. And uh, he cashed in successfully, but he had no reason to win the Money in the Bank briefcase in the first place. So I, I would say the real last person to benefit from holding that briefcase, yeah, Dean Ambrose cashed in four or five years ago on the same night that he won it, won the championship. Did he benefit from it? Yeah, because he became champion and he was the main event guy for a couple months. But, like, the last real Mr. Money in the Bank that I would say, like, having held the briefcase for a long time and that really benefited from it was Seth Rollins in 2014, cashing in in 2015. Sheamus was a joke when he fucking won the thing, like you said. They win the briefcase and they'll lose a lot and they expect you to care when they become champion. It's ass-backwards booking. It never really works. And this time was no exception. So I'm glad that Miz did not cash in successfully. And the concept, at least for the guys, has been a complete wash the last couple of years. But I can't say entirely because you look at the women and how they've booked them. You know, Carmella held it for a long time. She cashed in successfully, had a decent run. I'm not the biggest Carmella fan, but I thought, you know, the way that she was booked overall wasn't terrible. Then you had Alexa Bliss cash in the same night. She won the championship that night. Didn't really benefit from it, but, you know, whatever. Bailey cashed in the same night. She was champion for a while. This year it was Asuka, didn't really cash in, but you know, she cashed in or whatever the next night, won the Raw Women's Championship from it. Um, not ideal with the way that the women have held it in the last couple of years. They haven't really had runs with it the same way that Carmella did. 
Um, but at least they haven't been booked badly and haven't cashed in unsuccessfully like the men. There hasn't been an unsuccessful woman's cashing yet um, as opposed to the men. So it's just really weird to me the way they've handled it. It's a complete joke, a complete afterthought at this point. Um, I, I wouldn't get rid of the match at all. I think it still has a lot of juice. I just think it was a complete waste of the briefcase in 2020. But they actually teased on Raw. We'll mention it right now. The Miz teased on Raw. Oh, it was John Morrison who cashed in, so therefore I should still be Mr. Money in the Bank. Please tell me, RJ, that that is only just a joke or just a tease. Not, 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 not even a tease. It was just like a subtle thing. As opposed to like, oh, that's something that we'll actually do going forward and giving the briefcase back to Miz. Because I think that would be a giant mistake. Just have him cash in, lose as he did on Sunday, and then just move the hell on from it. Yeah, it's one of those things like, I hope, like you said, they're just mentioning it and they just don't go back to it. Because it'd be one thing if maybe he like came down, like Morrison cashed in and then he got claymored and then he just lost and you'd be like, well, I wasn't there. He just participated in the match for like 10 minutes. So it's, like, not even, like, it was, like, a quick thing, and he was just trying to, like, be like, oh, he actually cashed in on me. Like, you clearly were a willing participant in this. You were in the match for, like, ten minutes. So if they do that, just fucking stupid. He cashed in. He was clearly willing. He wrestled for ten minutes. I mean, it wasn't, like, a fluky thing, and then he lost it, and he could just be, like, a little heel and be like, oh, like, it wasn't me. Like, you were participating in a match for at least ten minutes. Don't bitch. So I hope they don't do it. He lost fair and square. Don't do this to me. I, 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 like, he lost. Move on. Yeah. Let's just move on from this, please. Uh, we had the SmackDown Women's Championship cash. I almost said cash then. Uh, we had the SmackDown <laughs> Women's Championship match uh, between Sasha Banks and Carmella here. Very good match, I thought, for what it was. Probably, I'm trying to think, was it the best Carmella match I've ever seen? Honestly, it might have been. I don't know, you're, I mean, she's been on the main, actually, eh, the Nikki Bella matches were pretty good, too, from uh, when she first debuted. Um, her matches as champion were, were were terrible. The matches with Charlotte and Asuka were no good. Um, but this might have been the best Carmella match, at least in recent memory. And the character, I didn't really care about it when she first came back. I mean, change up the character, it's still Carmella. But you know what? She's actually done very well with it, to her credit. I had no desire to see, the win, to see her win the belt here. I think Sasha should and hopefully will have a, a lengthy reign as champion heading into WrestleMania. And that's what we got here. Sasha Banks still champion following a very competitive match. Carmella looking good in defeat. A lot of suspenseful near falls down the stretch. And honestly, for as bad as they booked you know, Sasha as champion in the past, I think, I think it actually worked to their advantage here because people now think that Sasha might lose the championship in any one of these title defenses because we don't have hope that they're going to keep it on her for a long period of time. So that actually worked to their benefit here, and it ended up being a pretty good match to boot. So I enjoyed this for what it was. No, I enjoyed this match a lot. Um, probably the best Carmella match I've ever seen. Like you said, those Nikki Bella matches were really good. But, I mean, as a champion, I, I understand. I like I applaud them for trying something new because it seems like since the four horsewomen got called up, it's just been belts all over them. So trying something new with Carmella definitely was something fresh. And, I mean, I didn't hate her run. I mean, it wasn't the greatest, but... Something new, and I wouldn't say it bombed. So having her come back with this new persona, I not like I'm over the over the oh, head over heels for it, but it's something new, something fresh for SmackDown. I think she's done well with the the new part and gimmick. But no, this is a good match here, and like you said, though Sasha losing or having quick title reigns, it did didn't pass my mind that maybe Carmella would win here. She very competitive match, 
it seemed like Carmella might pull it out at the end and then Sasha countered and beat her. But no, it's something new, something fresh. And I mean, I can't complain because it's one of the probably, like you said, best Carmella match and probably one of the better women's matches I've seen recently. Do you continue the feud going into Royal Rumble? I mean, what's next for Sasha after this, assuming they save, ideally, in my opinion, Bianca Belair for WrestleMania? Um, I mean, you could you could run, run this. Uh, you could just do it. The only issue... Uh, I'm trying to think. Maybe you could... Maybe you could do it at Royal Rumble, but also Royal Rumble's an, almost another like month and a half away. Uh... You could do it, and then maybe still have Carmella in the Royal Rumble match, but you could probably get away with not doing it again. It's not like I'm pretty well. She got DQ'd. Yeah, I I wouldn't do it again. Carmella lost fair and square. You can just do a rematch on SmackDown and move on, and then kind of shift gears there. But if you have Bianca win Royal Rumble, then what do you do with Sasha? I don't know, but I, I would just I wouldn't do it again unless it's on SmackDown. Yeah, I've enjoyed this feud for what it is. I'm just trying to think if there's any other feuds they can do with Sasha before WrestleMania that involve Belair. Because um, it's not like Billy Kay's a credible opponent. Maybe the Riot Squad, I mean, like Liv Morgan or Ruby specifically, but I feel like they're just not at that level. Um, Tamina, no. Natalia, hopefully, no. Uh,. Maybe they bring in someone else? I'm not sure, because I know, again, we talked about Melina last week, Eva Marie, but, like, Eva Marie, I don't think they would bring her back to SmackDown doing the same exact character that Carmella is right now, so I don't know. I'm not really sure what they do with Sasha. I I could see them continuing the feud, because this has been pretty prominent in the last month. Um, Even though Carmella did, you know, lose decisively here, I could see them doing another match, at least on SmackDown, as you mentioned. We do have new Raw Tag Team Champions in the Hurt Business with Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin beating the New Day's Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. Um, you mentioned last week what feels like they've had a million matches so far, but at least they're always enjoyable, so that is a plus. But this was another entertaining encounter between the two teams on the Hurt Business, once again picking up the win, this time becoming the Raw Tag Team Champions. Uh, so I enjoyed this for what it was, the right result, really the only result. The Raw Tag Team Division needed new champions, the New Day have really, you know, it's funny, I say they've done it all as Raw Tag Team Champions, but there's no other teams. It's like they've beaten Miz and Morrison before, they've beaten the Herb Business before, so they kind of had to lose here. Um, but yeah, I like the match, I like the result, I like the, the Herb Business being champions going into 2021, so I thought this was exactly what it needed to be. No, great match here. Um, just like Sasha and Asuka, like, we were bitching like, oh, they've faced a million times, but they've always had good matches, I would say the same here. With New Day and her business, they've wrestled plenty of times, but they always put on a good, entertaining match. Um, this was no different. Um, I didn't really understand, like, the Cedric, Shellen kind of, like, beef at the end, and then they won. Like, they kind of teased a little tension when Cedric tagged himself in. Not really sure what that was supposed to, like, maybe foreshadow a break down the line. But um, besides that, I enjoyed the match, as all their other ones. And like you said, there wasn't really any other result there could be besides the her business winning New Day. They've already beat the other two teams on Raw, so mm-hmm. yeah, the belts. But I enjoyed it for what it was, and we'll see what happens with this Hurt Business ran. They've been teasing that tension for a while. Like, between Shelton and Cedric, I don't want to say months, but, like, they've done that at least on two other occasions on Raw where, like, Cedric beat Kofi. Like, Shelton lost to Kofi, and then Cedric beat Kofi, and then it kind of walked off while he was celebrating. And they never addressed it. It was just really weird, so... 
hopefully they're not leading to a Cedric, you know, him breaking away from the group already, right? He's only been with them for like two months. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't do a break yet, but maybe like now that he's with them and he's getting wins, like he's starting to get a little cocky and like eventually maybe that could be the turn down the line. Like Shelton could be like the MVP, like he's been doing this for a while and like they, that's how you kind of form the tension between them and eventually the breakup. But I mean, if any, I mean, even on, even on Raw, like his promo, he kind of came off like kind of like a little cocky prick. So maybe that's where they go down the line. But yeah, that's kind of the only thing about this match that kind of caught me off guard. But like you said, they've been doing it for a while. So we'll see what happens, but keep the group together. Raw could use the teams. And I think as a stable, they're one of the focal points of Raw and reasons to watch. What a turnaround, though, for Cedric Alexander in 2020. I mean, I thought Ricochet, if anything, would be the one to really rebound from a, from a you know, not a disappointing 2019, but in the latter half of the year, he really did not do much at all after losing the United States Championship. Um, but it was actually Cedric Alexander. He was the one who entered 2021, or rather 2020, um, as a complete loser, coming off the failed push in the feud against AJ. And I say fail just because he never beat AJ, never really did anything after that. And it was a complete afterthought on the show. And now he's won half of the Raw Tag Team Champions, and he's doing you know, amazingly well as a heel. So it's been pretty cool to see his evolution as well from the beginning of the year to right now. No, yeah. I'm, I, I was, I've always been a big Cedric guy, Ricochet as well. So when they had that little team, didn't really seem like they were ever going to get that right push. And then when they broke him up, then Heyman came in and seemed like Rick, uh, Cedric was one of his prize pushes with Murphy and uh, Alistair Black, and then once that kind of moved aside, he just, I wouldn't say, yeah, basically got buried. I mean, the guy was never on TV. Then he was getting his ass kicked by the Hurt Business, then eventually fought with them. But yeah, his 2020 started very bad, and then he kind of capitalized at that. And I mean, something new, something fresh, so it's not like another old veteran they just bring out and stroll out there to get popular. So no, I'm, I'm proud of Cedric. I think he's had a great, one of the Probably the, one of the most breakout years for anyone on WWE. So then we have the WWE Women's Tag Team Title Matchup. Asuka and a mystery partner taking on the then-champions Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. We said it last week. We figured it would be Charlotte Flair. Really, no one else made sense from the Raw Women's Division. Sure enough, it ended up being Charlotte. The first time we've seen Charlotte on WWE TV since June. I like Charlotte. I'm glad she's back. I think the division needs her. The problem isn't with Charlotte. I'm not sure if I said this last week or not, but it's all about the overexposure. Flair's biggest problem this year, last year, really any year, was the fact that they constantly feature her on the show. And I think Charlotte, her promos can be definitely robotic. People have said that. I mean, I I completely agree. Her in-ring work is second to none. She might be the best... I don't know if she's the best in-ring women's wrestler in the entire company. I mean, like ahead of Bailey and Sasha or even Becky. But she's up there, and she's an absolute star. The problem is that before she took time off earlier this year, she was on Raw every week. She was on NXT every week. She was on SmackDown sometimes. She was sometimes on all three shows in one given week. And I said the same thing about Sasha and Bailey. The overexposure, no matter how, no matter how good you are, can absolutely be a detriment. So I'm really hoping that's not an issue again going forward. And again, I say that, but she returned to TLC. She was on Raw on Monday night, and now she'll be on SmackDown on Friday defending those DAG titles. So what the fuck am I even saying? It doesn't even matter at this point. They're already going back to that problem. Um, But listen, I'm glad Charlotte is back. The match was decent. It was not bad. Probably one of, if not the best match that Jax and Shayna have had from from what I've seen anyway. I just don't 
see what the... I mean, I can understand what the end game is here. You build the Asuka and Charlotte for the Raw Women's Championship. It looked like on Raw, Charlotte was going to say before Jax and Shayna interrupted her that, hey, I helped out you. I scratched your back by helping you win the tag titles on Sunday. Now you scratch mine by giving me a shot at that Raw Women's Championship. That, to me, is where it looks like this is going. And honestly, dude, listen. You know, you just said Asuka and Sasha have had so many matches, but they're always good. The Asuka and Charlotte matches are all also very good, but we've also seen that as a feud before. And I just, like, literally, maybe twice as many times as we have Sasha and Asuka. I could probably count the amount of matches Asuka and Charlotte have had, and it's well more than five in the last few years. I just don't want to see it again. That, to me, is not an interesting enough endgame to justify them being tag team champions right now. No, I completely agree. I I, I mean, we kind of knew if it was Charlotte, I mean, they're going to win. It's kind of just is what it is. We, compl- not, we stated last week that we really didn't want Oscar to win because we don't want dual champions because it's just like everyone's a dual champion at this point, so honestly means nothing. Um and now Charlotte's back. Like you said, probably the best match Nia and Shane have had as a team just because Oscar and Charlotte are great. But I just, Charlotte's already a main eventer. Like, you don't need to win the tag belts to set up a few with Oscar. And like you said, we've already seen it before. If, if Charlotte's going to come back and you're going to focus on the tag team division, which has been a joke in the last couple months, basically since Bailey and Sasha dropped the belts, I mean, get, I just, I said this to you via text. I'm just. Her part, I'm fine with Charlotte in the tag team division. I'm fine with her on SmackDown, defending the belts, NXT, Raw, whatever. That's whatever. But, like, give her a partner who's not that big, like a Mandy, Peyton, Lacey, Dana Brooke, for God's sakes. Anyone that's not, like, an established star, give them with Charlotte. Give them the exposure. And then eventually, when they lose the belts, you can have, a, like, a new, fresh program out of it. I don't need her to be a tag team champion just to set up her and Oscar, which they've done already. And she's already at the te- main event level that she doesn't need that reason to then get the... Like, she's already made. It's not like they need her. Like, they, they just... I just don't get it. It's just... If you're going to focus on the division, give her a partner that could use the exposure, who could get a rub at the end of maybe beating Charlotte, or at least being competitive with her and make a new star. Oscar's already made. So Charlotte, like, I just don't understand why they're doing this just for Charlotte to get another fucking tag, another raw title shot. Like, that's already, like, that's already in this, like, it doesn't need to happen. Make a new star. We Oscar's made. Oscar's already made. You don't need Charlotte to make Oscar. That's my biggest issue with this whole thing. Yeah, no, I really like Charlotte in the tag team division, too, just because it's something new. It's something we haven't seen before, but I completely agree. I mean, I was saying, or at least thinking about a year ago, I think she and Lacey Evans would have been a great team. They kind of interacted a bit in the women's rumble. Not this year. I think the women, the, the, the women's rumble the year before in 2019. And I'm thinking, oh, that would be a good team. I'm thinking of, like, potential partners. Her and Chelsea Green, I was thinking at one point. Because didn't they team an NXT at one point earlier this year? It was like a one-off match. They faced, yeah, I think, they, Rhea and EO, right, or something. And they yeah, won. They, they won, and then Chelsea Green dumped fucking Robert Stone as her, like, her apprentice or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking, okay. And that was actually the last time that we saw her on NXT. So I'm thinking, okay, I don't need to see it be a dynamic of, like, her and Dana Brooke from a few years ago where Dana Brooke was her lackey, which she should have been because Dana Brooke sucked then. She's not that good now. So that was the dynamic, and it worked for that reason. Chelsea Green is not amazing, but she's better than Dana, and I think they could have been positioned as, you know, as being on the same level. And I'm not saying, I mean, Chelsea Green's hurt right now. That wasn't an option anyway. But you mentioned, like, at least three to four other people. 
I mean, come on. You know, Peyton is one person, Lacey. As opposed to putting those two women together in a pointless tag team, losing to Charlotte and Asuka on Monday, why not put them with Charlotte? And I know the reason why. They did this, as you said, to have it serve as a vehicle to get Charlotte back in the Raw women's picture. But why is it, dude? And I'm not saying that Char- I'm not saying that SmackDown is an absolute, you know, grade A, incredible show week after week. Some shows are better than others. There's some stuff in the show I don't care about. But why is it that SmackDown has more women's storylines, better women's storylines, than Raw? For as many women as Raw has, they only have, what, one feud right now, I think? Maybe two. Maybe there's more than I'm not thinking of. But it feels like they're bringing all of their women into one storyline. They're trying to tell this thing with Charlotte and Asuka. They're telling that story now. Lana's still in the picture when she comes back. They have that story too. Shayna and Nia are going back after the tag title, so they're still in the picture. Mandy and Dana also want a shot at the tag title, so they're in the picture. It just feels like one giant mess at the moment. Yeah, because they're just neg- neglecting the one title in that, in that women's division that matters. They're fucking a women's championship. I understand they're trying to get the tag team. Now they have Charlotte. I get it. She's the star, so you're gonna if she's going to be in that division and the champion, you're going to you're going to broadcast and she's going to be on all the shows and I'm fine with that. But if you're going to do it, do it correctly. Don't have Charlotte team with someone that's already made. Cause it doesn't matter. Like, cause they're, you like they real issues. They're using it to set up a title match, which she doesn't need anyways. Cause she's been champion fucking 13 times in a span of like four to five years. So give her a partner that isn't made, make them fucking mean something. And then when they eventually break up, that person will be, a star, or at least someone of some kind of bigger status than they are now. Like mm-hmm. I said, if if she teamed with Lacey, Peyton, Chelsea Green, if she wasn't her, Dana Brooke, any of these people that we've named, they'd be bigger stars after teaming with, with Charlotte for months than they are now because they're fucking practically all losers. So Raw, we only have fucking Asuka and Charlotte. I mean, I guess Nia is a veteran, but I wouldn't really say she's a star. And Shayna <laughs> <laughs> and Shayna's good for what she is, but she's not really been made either yet either. So it just it's like if Becky came back for a say, like I wouldn't want her to team with like Bailey or Sasha. Like give her someone new and then they can build them up and then when the eventual break mat means something, then they get that person over and then you have another star. They're not they're just like Oh, we have Asuka and fucking Charlotte. No, 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 no. Make more stars. Because Raw has none besides Asuka, if Becky comes back, and Charlotte. that They're the only ones that matter on Raw. I had two ideas for what they could do with Asuka at WrestleMania that don't involve Charlotte. But I want to get your two cents. Let's say they don't do Charlotte and Asuka one-on-one at WrestleMania. I don't like that idea. We've seen it a million times. Yes, the matches are always good, which is, you know, at least there's that. But we've seen Asuka beat Charlotte before. We've seen Charlotte beat Asuka God knows how many times. She beat her for the SmackDown Women's Championship. She ended her undefeated streak. How many more fucking times can you do this match? I'm not interested in that. And they have enough women where they can do more matches at WrestleMania. And yeah, on paper, does Asuka and Lacey Evans interest me? Not a lot right now. Um, But if they built her up to that point, maybe it would make sense for WrestleMania. Could you do... I mean, actually, you know, I have a third option too. But I have three different matches they could do at Mania that don't involve Asuka and Charlotte one-on-one, maybe a third person, but I want to get your two cents, Mr. Marceau. What what do you think, or what do you think they should do with Asuka at WrestleMania? Well, are you going to give me your options first, or are you just asking me in general? I'll give my options 
Should I give my options now or should I wait you, until after you after you Give you, me your options first and then I'll repeat what you're gonna say. Uh, <laughs> you're just stealing like my fun. ideas, is that what you're saying? <laughs> okay, you know, how about this? I'll give you my ideas and I'll see what your feedback is and whether you like them or not. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. So one option is again, this isn't ideal, but because as opposed to doing Oscar and Charlotte one on one. They're, they're clearly going to get to that at some point. I don't know if it's going to be the Rumble. I would be surprised just because they're still tag team champions right now. Unless they drop the belts next week or on Friday, maybe. Who knows? Um, they're clearly going to face the Riot Squad because what other people do they even have on SmackDown that are a team? So they should have just announced that. But anyway, so you could do Oscar and Charlotte at WrestleMania. But you throw in Rhea Ripley. I think Rhea Ripley should go to Raw just because I feel like they need that star power right now. Yes, they have more women than SmackDown. SmackDown could use another woman or two, but they have Bianca. I feel like she's kind of the star on the rise, so she and Ripley kind of cancel each other out if they're on the same show. I would put Ripley on Raw, um, maybe have her win the Women's Rumble. I would have Bianca win the Rumble, but Ripley's an option too. She's done all that she can in NXT. Lose to Raquel again on the way on the way out. Have her leave NXT. She wins the Rumble, or maybe she wins a Chamber match or whatever. So you do Oscar Ripley and Charlotte at Mania because you know they're going to want to shoot. You know they're going to want to shoehorn Charlotte in there somehow. And the reason I say Charlotte should be in there is because Ripley and Charlotte have that history from earlier this year. She never beat Charlotte one on one. She never even pinned Charlotte to win the NXT Women's Championship. They never tied up that loose end. They got to do that at some point. She goes on to Mania. She pins Charlotte to win the Raw Women's Championship. Maybe you turn Asuka back into a heel after that. You do Ripley and Asuka. That is one option that I like that I would like to see at WrestleMania. Option two. This is a lot less likely. Shayna means absolutely nothing right now. Shayna Baszler, that is. She means absolutely nothing. But because Asuka beat her for the tag title, maybe we can get Shayna and Asuka out of this. And then that leads into, and again, I'm not confident that this is going to happen at all, the return of Ronda Rousey. And you can do Ronda Rousey and Asuka at WrestleMania for the championship, which is at least a prominent match. That's option two. The third option that I just thought of, who I completely forgot about was even in that division because she hasn't wrestled in ages, would be Alexa Bliss. Now, from an in-ring standpoint, would it be a great match? Probably not, especially given Asuka's character. Um, I'm sorry, Alexa Bliss is his character, not Asuka. But at least Alexa Bliss is a pretty prominent figure right now on Raw. She's probably the most interested I am in any female performer on that show. Actually, it's not even close. So um, that would be an option as well. Alexa Bliss and Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship, which I don't think is a match they've done before. I mean, they've done the match, but it's not a feud they've done before. And then maybe Bray Wyatt and her can have all the gold or whatever the fuck. So those are my three options. A, do you like any of those options, Mr. Marceau? And B, if not, do you have any that you would rather see instead? I like option A and C. Not a big Rousey guy, so I'm kind of out on B. I didn't think so. Okay. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, realistically, I'd rather just be for option A, Oscar and Rhea. But yeah, I mean, like you said, they got a shoehorn Charlotte in there somehow. I mean, so look, look no further than WrestleMania 35. I mean, come on. That was Becky and Ronda. The story was there, and they just shoehorn Charlotte just to get her in there. I know. Yeah. Which is awful, but yeah, I mean. <laughs> I think, at least like you said, I would have Bianca probably win the Rumble. Um, but maybe you can have Rhea be like, it's just down to her and Rhea. So then it's like, oh, like, well, I was second. And then, I don't know, maybe do a Elimination Chamber. And then she wins that. And then, like you said, she can shoehorn Charlotte in there somehow because it's going to happen eventually. But I like that option. And then you said for option three, yeah. I, I mean, Alexa's been great with her, like you said, 
Her character is way more interesting than anyone on that show. Maybe The Fiend, and that's it. So I'm so down for that. We really haven't seen her wrestle with this new persona. I mean, she beat Nikki Cross a few weeks back. I think she was, like, the bubbly, like, Alexa Bliss Fiend character. So maybe we get, like, a legit, like, fucking crazy Mm -hmm. Alexa Bliss Fiend character. We'll see. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely down for that. Um, I hope it's not, like, the Sheeta Abaddon. Like, Oscar's just afraid of her. Like, she (laughs) doesn't runs away so i hope that's not where they're going with that but um yeah it's trash a and c i'm definitely down for um but i don't need to see charlotte and oscar again like you said it's been done to death don't need to see the wrestlemania one-on-one we saw that three years ago and she fucking buried oscar basically so (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'll take a and c though those are good options so with Alexa Bliss too, um, you got to remember because she was involved in the championship picture for so long, from the moment she debuted practically up until, I don't know what she lost the Raw Women's Title two years ago to Ronda Rousey. I don't think she's been involved in the Raw or SmackDown Women's Champion. Uh, mm, no, she hasn't. I don't no. think she has. No, well Maybe. she she did face Bailey last summer. I remember oh, yeah. that. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> When Bailey was burying everyone on Smith, that she had a face at least once. So yeah, she did. No, but even before that, it was before Bailey turned heel. It was not. I mean, this summer too. And Nikki Cross was really the focus this past time. But I'm talking about um, the previous summer they had. I don't know if it was one on one or if it was a handicap. I think it was a handy. They had a couple matches last year, and Bailey won. So other than that, though, that was not a lengthy feud. And Alexa lost every time. She hasn't held either one of those titles in over two years. So I think she's due. Um, and I'm not even saying that's what they should do. It's just an option, like I said. So, like I said, anything is better than Asuka and Charlotte one-on-one. Not that the matches... I mean, I can't say that. Be careful what you wish for, because then they're going to give us, like, Lana and Asuka. Lana's going to come back and ask for oh. a title shot, because she didn't get her title shot at DLC. So, I really hope Lana has nothing to do with those plans. Um, but anything is better than Charlotte and Asuka one-on-one again. I, I'm just so done with that. Uh, back to TLC, though. We get to another TLC match, the second TLC match on the show. Universal Champion Roman Reigns knocking off Kevin Owens in what was a great match. My only real nitpick of this is, as you said to me over text, and I completely agree, way too much interference. This was interference city at TLC between the first TLC match and this one. I mean, Jey Uso got in and got involved the first five minutes and came back like at least another five times. Um, I don't know if it made Roman look weak, but like... Listen, he's a heel, so I get it, but... And they obviously did it to set up the Friday match, the steel cage match between Roman and Kevin Owens, so I kind of get it in retrospect. It was just a little annoying as a match. I hate interference and stuff like this. It reminded me of TLC 2015 when the League of Nations came in a few times uh, with Roman and Sheamus, and, and it's happened a bunch. It's, it's happened a lot over the years, but uh, this was still a very good match. Great storytelling. We never thought for a second that Kevin Owens was going to win. Not for a single second, but... I thought he looked great in defeat. He came close on a few different occasions. And he, he you know, kind of lived up to his keep fighting mantra. So I thought all around this was a great piece of business. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good match, but just the fucking interference. Like I said, I don't know if it per se made Roman look... Like, interference in general makes Roman look weak. I just think how quickly it was and how long it lasted... It basically made it seem like Roman needed Uso to help him win. And I would understand, like, maybe at the end, he came out and, like, helped Roman a little bit. But, like, he was involved, like, the whole fucking match. It was like Roman needed Uso to basically beat the shit out of Owens the whole match. After SmackDown, they, like, beat the tar on Owens. He had no, like, 
he didn't was even selling any injuries. Like he was like fresh as a daisy on Sunday. So that didn't really make sense when they focus all of SmackDown on Friday night of them basically just beating the holy shit out of Owens. And then two nights later, he's fresh as a daisy. Didn't really make much sense either. Mm. But I mean, Roman Roman's the most interesting guy in the company right now. I mean, I think you could put him with a with some jobber and he can make it work at this point. So um, it was a good match. Like you said, I, I don't think it was ever in doubt Owens was going to win. I just would have laid off as much as an interference as there was. I knew Uso would get involved, and I liked that dynamic with him and Roman. But I just felt like it happened so quickly. Like, it was like five minutes of the match. He's already interfering. I'm like, clearly it's not going to end that quickly. And then he came back, and then it just it was just too much interference in my liking. I'd rather have Owens or Roman, like, be dominant the majority of the match. At the very end, it seems like Kevin might pull it out, and then Jay comes out and helps Roman, and Roman wins. Like, they didn't need, like, 30-minute match or how long it was to have Jay involved in 75% of it. just mm-hmm. didn't make that I felt like it kind of made Roman look a little weak because he needed Uso, like, the whole match to help him out. I would have just had a small interference. I just hate interference in general, but for heels, if it's small and quick, I'm fine with it, but it just seemed excessive. No, I agree. It definitely was excessive. Uh, it made sense with the story that they're telling. I thought it made the match suffer, but again, I get it from a storyline standpoint with the story they've told up to this point and what it's, where, where it's going come Friday SmackDown. So again, we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, people listening to this after Friday would know better than we do, but where do you think this is going? Is this leading to a Kevin Owens-Roman match at the Rumble too? Maybe Kevin Owens wins on SmackDown. It is a steel cage match, so he doesn't have to pin Roman. I'm thinking Kevin Owens wins. I feel like he has to win one at some point. And Roman doesn't, you know, Roman hasn't lost at all since he came back. So it would be a big deal. It would get that big Christmas feel-good moment, whatever, that we kind of mentioned earlier with Biggie winning the Intercontinental Championship potentially on Friday. Uh, So Kevin Owens escapes the cage. Does that then lead into Kevin and Roman again at the Rumble? Or does, for example, Daniel Bryan come back, combat the interference from Jay, and then we get Roman and Daniel at the Rumble, which I like. The only problem with that is that I feel like, listen, I I really want Roman and Daniel. I I think it'd be perfect for the Rumble just because of the history they have of that pay-per-view. I really want Goldberg and Roman at that pay-per-view, and the only reason I say that is because if we don't get it there, it makes me really scared that they're going to save it for WrestleMania instead because you know they're going to do it at some point, and it's going to be in the next couple of months. And it's probably not going to be a fucking elimination chamber. So, and they're not doing any Saudi shows any anytime soon. It seems. So, where do you think this is going? What does the future of this feud hold, uh, Mr. Marcel? Well, the match on Friday is it for the belt or no? No, I think it's non-title. Okay, so yeah, I mean, like you say, maybe KO wins there. I just, I just think if you do KO and if KO wins, and then they do it at the Rumble, then we're definitely getting Goldberg and Roman at WrestleMania, which I don't want. Um. I just, I would do Goldberg, I said this last week, I would do Goldberg and Roman at the Rumble, just like a nice, like, advertised big match, do it at the Rumble, Roman wins, LOL, <laughs> then we move on. He's winning regardless, see, we know he's yeah, not going to lose the Goldberg. So it's just like, do it at the Rumble, like the Rumble, it just adds another, like, big marquee match to the show, like, obviously the Rumbles are, like, what people watch for, but that's like a good title match, like, supposed to be WrestleMania last year. Pandemic, whatever. Do Goldberg and Roman there. Could be a good little title match. Bump up those numbers a little bit on the network. We move on. I don't need Roman and Goldberg at WrestleMania. Like, people are going to watch WrestleMania watch WrestleMania. They're not going to watch his fucking Goldberg and Roman Reigns are on. 
I would just do Goldberg and Roman at Royal Rumble, then do Daniel and Roman at WrestleMania. Will that happen? Probably not. We're probably <laughs> going to get Goldberg at WrestleMania, and Roman will win, LOL, and then we'll move on. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't suffer. I wouldn't just run through opponents the next couple months just to set up Goldberg and Roman. Like, do that now, and then you can have, like, a good feud, and maybe Daniel is the one that beat Roman. And it may make – I mean, Daniel's already made at this point, but, like, it'd be big for him to beat Roman for what he's been booked as. But, no, like, if Goldberg – and I'm fucking throwing everything out. Goldberg? Goldberg's not winning. He wasn't going to win it this year's WrestleMania, so why would he win this time, you know? Got a new documentary, huh? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they set up a rematch for SummerSlam where Roman wins the belt back, which would make absolutely no sense. I don't know. <laughs> Stupid. Stop. Give them ideas. Don't do it. <laughs> no thanks. Listen, I want to see that match, just not at WrestleMania. Like, there's certain things that you want, but just in certain times and places, that's one of them. Um, I mean, it would be fun if they didn't do the match at all. Hey, if they did Daniel and Roman at the Rumble... And then they did, like, Big E at WrestleMania. Hey, no Goldberg involved. Save Goldberg for another day in time. That's fine by me. I just don't need to see it at the... I just don't need to see it at WrestleMania. No thank you. So, we get to the main event on this show, which I was surprised main evented, but we now know why. The Firefly Inferno match between The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and Randy Orton, which was basically an Inferno match, except with no fans. They put the flames where the fans would be. So I thought that was really cool. It made it less limited. Because when the flames surround the ring, there's only so far you can go. The ring's rather small, so kind of limits what you can do. You can't go on the top rope and shit. Um, this way, I thought, was just a lot easier. It looked a lot better. It made sense with the story that they told. Listen, am I going to call the best match of the year? No. But given my expectations, I thought this was quite good, honestly. I enjoyed this for what it was. The stipulation absolutely helped it, because it would have been just a bore fest like WrestleMania 33 or... The uh, the Extreme Rules, what was the, oh, the Payback, House of Horrors match, or even the No Mercy match from a few years ago. Those were all boring as hell. This was easily the best match these two have ever had. Um, they made it work. I thought the uh, finish was great. I mean, yeah, they put a dummy on fire. They let the dummy on fire, so it's like, okay, we know it's not actually him. But what do you expect for him to actually be burned up to a crisp? Like, I don't know what you expect, and it made it for a cool visual. And Bray Wyatt was actually on fire when they did the finish, because then he got back in the ring and ate an RKO while he was on fucking fire. I thought that was awesome. That looked cool, and then Orton burning him up, whatever. I thought it was a cool visual. You see it in movies all the time. WWE is no different. It depends on who they do it with, and you know, what the story is. For here, it made sense. So I like this a lot. And honestly, it might not be a stretch to say, and there's not a lot to go off of, but it might have been the best Inferno match that this company has ever done. Yeah, no, I enjoyed this for what it was. Like you said, I liked how, due to no crowd, they expanded the fire and like put it, like you said, on the barrier where the fans would be. I mean, I said this last week, every Inferno match I've seen, it's just like, they're in the ring and like, oh, is he, is he going to throw them in the flame? And then they just bump out of it and then, eventually get to that spot. So I was glad that they did it a little bit differently due to the circumstances. I thought it worked here. Um, the story made sense. I mean, wide on fire was good. Then he hit the RKO. I mean, clearly was a dummy. They probably could have done better camera work. Obviously you would have known it wasn't him, but like the way that they shot it, you could clearly tell it was a dummy. So, I mean, Kevin Dunn just doing another great camera job there. I mean, maybe they should have had wide, maybe zip that jacket up so you wouldn't see it like, 
it clearly could see it was a mannequin because they didn't even have tattoos or anything, so clearly it wasn't him. But yeah. I it sense what it was. I mean, plenty of people didn't like it. I mean, from the story they're telling and kind of backtracking storytelling, like, made sense. This was a big feud. More interested to kind of see what comes out of it. I mean, I know why. I mean, he's clearly going to come back, but I'm kind of interested to see what they do with it. I mean, I don't think it's in the same Fiend character, maybe a little bit differently. I, I mean, it's the, obviously the best thing that's been on Raw in a while, this whole Randy and Bray feud. So I'm definitely sunk my teeth in it. I'm, I, I, every time I see him or Fiend on, I know it's going to be something worthwhile watching. So it, it's going to lead to something big. I'm just really interested to see what they do. So we saw Alexa Bliss actually return on Monday's Raw, confronting Randy Orton. Is it safe to say that was the best part of Raw too for Monday night? Because I thought it was a mixed bag, but I thought that was the best part of the show. Oh, hands down the best part of Raw. After I saw that, I just shut Raw off and watched the football game. <laughs> you know, watch the Miracle on Third. Not it wasn't even a Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street fight. It was just a regular six man tag team match that they advertised as a street fight that didn't get hardcore until the final like thirty seconds of the match. Yeah, I didn't see it. Her Chiefs are doing well, though, this season. <laughs> yeah, they didn't play on Monday night, but yeah, they're doing good. I mean, I started, I, like, I was going to, I'm like, you know what? TLC was good. Like, reports are they like, WWE's been pissed about the ratings. Like, maybe they'll turn around. It just felt like no more Raw. Maybe they're waiting for the new year to just spice it up. But especially coming off the ending of TLC with that big angle, like, clearly they did that to hook people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the Randy, Alexa stuff kind of, came off of that well like they did more storytelling and it, it added to that story but it just like it felt like everything else on raw was just your normal raw like nothing new same old shit they they did do i will say though they did <laughs> i don't know if this was a good thing though they did <laughs> i'm laughing <laughs> it was so bad i'm laughing still um they did give a lot of people mic time and it I, was not good and it wasn't good. That's why I'm laughing because maybe <laughs> maybe they were trying to get more people mic time to like see what they can do. But either the fed lines or just the bad delivery. I do. I mean, listen, everyone got <laughs> a promo and they weren't good. <laughs> listen, I don't think it was a case where they were saying, "Hey, we're going to give you more mic time to." You know, see what you can do on the mic. I think they were doing more of that earlier this year, honestly, during the pandemic when it first started. Because those early Raws from the PC were actually quite great from an, uh, from a promo standpoint. AJ was killing it. Taker was killing it. Edge, Orton, they were cutting some of the best promos of their fucking career. Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens. The list goes on and on. These You can tell when a promo was scripted and when a promo was not scripted. I can tell you wholeheartedly right now, every single one of those promos that you heard on Monday, at least the first... I don't know, the first hour of promos that I thought were just atrocious were absolutely scripted. Do you think Mandy Rose came up with that line where she said that Nia Jax looked like Rudolph with a nose job? I mean, I almost turned off the show at that point. <laughs> I think it was like, <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> but the thing is, I think there's like a common misconception, like if their promos are scripted per se, then they're bad. And also, I just think it's also... The delivery, like you said, I'm assuming those Rollins and, and Orin and KO, like, those promos were probably scripted. Yeah. But, like, they presence and delivery to get them over. Well, yes. Like, I like yeah. Andy, but, like, I just felt like everyone, they were probably fed, they were fed terrible lines, but the delivery as well, like, 
it was a bad line, but the delivery was so bad that it made it even come off worse. I just think maybe they gave these people more freedom to see what they had and fed them these shitty lines. But it's also up to you as a performer to make the lines at least sound authentic, sound compelling, appealing, make me give a shit, and they did none of that. <laughs> like you said, the Rudolph line alone, I'm just like, can I Dude. watch? Like, I knew Randy was coming out soon before I had to watch Rooks. I didn't want to miss him. Listen. Then, they sit, then they made me sit through two hours of Rooks until I finally saw Randy. That's the worst part. Then I shut the show off after that. <laughs> It but wasn't Rob, even, made me, I, Rob made me sit through these shitty promos for two hours just so I could see Randy Orton <laughs> in a five-minute segment, which was the best part of the show. I completely agree with you that it's not, oh, if it's scripted, it sucks. If it's real, it's great. I, I agree that's not always the case. Like, that Orton Bliss promo was... You think she, do you think Alexa Bliss was coming out of that stuff on the spot? Absolutely not. She obviously was scripted. And it wasn't bad because it worked for the story they were telling. And her delivery has gotten better, too. Because when they first started doing the Fiend stuff with her, it came across a little cringy, but she's gotten a lot better at it. Orton's mic, you know, promo skills this year have been very good overall. I, I agree with you that it's partly on the performer, but there is zero way. You give that reindeer line to literally anyone, dude, and they're not going to be able to make it work. Like, it was just bad. Mandy Rose is actually pretty good. Dana Brooke sucks. I mean, anytime she has a mic in her hand, I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And I'm just trying to see if she can outdo herself in terms of how how, how much worse it's going to be than the last time she cut a promo. And she was once again abysmal on Monday. And then Nia Jax is like that look on her face like, oh, my God, I can't believe she said that. And it's like, dude, just shut the fuck up. Like, just stop. Like, it was really bad. That whole segment was really, really bad. At the start of the show this week. And then you had Riddle out there. Like, it's not even the women. The, the men were awful, too. Riddle was like, oh, you gotta sit back and watch. I don't know. He was, like, making some wee joke or something. He went on for, like, five minutes making this long, elaborate joke that just wasn't funny. And I'm like, oh, my, what is this? It was really bad, so. I, I forgot who else had promo time. They had, uh... The Nightmare after TLC. I, I like what they did last week with that. This week it was just bad. Oh, The Nightmare after TLC. Ha ha. Like, dude, who cares? This is supposed to make me care about the six-man tag team match main event. Give me a break. Give me a break. <laughs> the, the show was bad. So we forgot to really talk about it last week, but the last thing I really want to get into here, because then, of course, after all those promos, it's like, oh, man, it can't get much worse than that. And then you see Ricochet lose the T-bar, and it's like, okay, it can um, but overall, the show is a mixed bag. There were some things that I liked, but the common denominator right now is that the ratings are worse than they have literally ever been. Like, ever. Like, we're talking early 90s, mid-2000s, back in 09 when the show sucked. The show might be better now than it was then, but the ratings have decreased so substantially in the last 5 to 10 years, it's not even funny. So they are now, I don't know what the rating was for Monday this week, it probably went up coming off the pay-per-view, but not, like... Not hundreds of thousands more, I don't think. And it doesn't matter if there's a good football game on or not. There have been good football games on Monday nights for years. That does not make a lick of a difference. Because they were doing these ratings in the summer, too, when they had no opposition, which is even worse. And they think they have an excuse now. But the ratings are worse now than they've ever been. They pulled in a million and a half viewers last Monday. That is so embarrassing, it's not even funny. So their big answer to all of this is that they're bringing back the legends in a couple weeks 
for another Legends Night, which I feel like is an obligatory once-a-year thing. And listen, I love seeing the old guys. I love when Hogan comes out there and Flair and they advertise your favorite Tory Wilson. Even fucking Carlito's going to be there. Listen, that's wonderful. Is that going to make millions more, millions of more viewers, you know, drive into Raw, tune into Raw in, in droves? I don't think so. So I just feel like it's not even a case of putting a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound at this point because all the blood has completely poured out of the body that is Monday Night Raw that there is no blood left to save. Like, at this point, they're losing their that, that 2 million audience. Those two, million, those 2 million viewers that were always tuning into Raw, like people like me and you, not even those people are tuning in anymore. Like, that that just core, that core audience, that core base is also eroded to the point where they have a million and a half viewers. And advertise, advertising Legends tonight, like what they're going to be doing in two weeks... It just solves absolutely nothing, and I think it's sad to say. No, I mean, just like we've discussed the last few weeks, Raw has legit been a chore to watch through. SmackDown, on the other hand, I've enjoyed. I watch SmackDown regularly now because SmackDown's actually good to watch. I think that third hour on Raw, for as many people think it shouldn't be in it, I think they can't. They can't figure it out. I, I, I just raw has just been so bad lately, and I just—it's it, just night and day between SmackDown, and I just don't get it. I understand there's an extra hour, but like, book better. It just—it's more the booking of everything. It's not even like there's an extra hour. They just—they're still doing like after a terrible rating. Why the fuck are you still doing the shitty ass? 24-7 bullshit. Like, why are they still promoting? Like, we had to see that on Raw. Like, them running around like idiots. Like, why are you still booking that? Clearly, no one gives a shit, so stop booking that crap. Two, it's just the, it's just the same shit every week, and we say this every week. It's person A versus person B in a boring match. You get a shitty promo by Riddle every week. Like, the guy's a fucking loser at this point. Like, we get it. He's supposed to be, like, a bro and high. You're making the guy look like a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. It's just the tag team division's a joke. Um, I like Drew, but, I mean, his reign, it doesn't help with the pandemic. I'm not going to blame it all on him, but his reign's been meh just due to everything they've done with the guy. Like, they've booked these people like shit. Raw's the same every week. It's it's more that than anything else. Bringing the Legends, okay, they'll pop a decent rating one night. Maybe. (laughs) I'm not even sure about that, to be honest with you. No, it will. It will. I bet you it does. And I, just, I, my guess is they won't crack 2 million viewers. I'll tell you that right now. That's my prediction. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but like at the end of the day, it's like, like you said, it's like putting a bandaid on a gunshot wound because it just, it'll fix what your problem is for one night. If that, but it doesn't change the bigger picture. The bigger picture is your show sucks. Just because you bring back a couple legends one night is not going to change anything. The show still sucks at the end of the day, and you're doing legit nothing to fix it. They think bringing back these legends is all of a sudden going to, like, whoa, like, I'm going to watch fucking these shitty storylines and these terrible matches and the same shit every week. Well, because they brought back Hulk Hogan for a week? No, it's, you need to make the product now more interesting. I understand they think, oh, we bring back legends and part-timers. It it solves it's more of an inter a quick fix than an actual long-term fix. Is yeah, bring Gold, back Goldberg probably brought back X amount of viewers, but they're only there to see him. It's not like 
that him facing Dolph. Oh, I'm gonna watch now because he faced Dolph Ziggler. Like, no, they need to focus on the future and they f- keep take small losses to then fix the bigger end. Instead, they're trying to just push all this shit out there. Oh, all the legends come back. Think it's gonna fix it when the end. It's not gonna do anything. Mm-hmm. Take the financial loss and hit now to then eventually get it all back. If you put in all this work that you're putting on these fucking legends that come back every year and you pull them out of the retirement home, if you just focus that time and energy on the people you have now, then they'd be stars and then people would watch your show. And then you'd have those stars, then you could still bring the legends back and then it'd mean something. Oh, what, because you have Shawn Michaels super kick Elias who's a fucking loser? Like, who cares? <laughs> It just, it's its so quick thinking that it's just so, like, I understand they're losing money and they're losing viewers, but you need to t- take that loss now and then you can eventually turn it around. Just because you're pushing the legends out there for one week, that doesn't make the show better. It's just going to continue to go down and down and down until you actually make a, a fix that people will care about. What happened to Worthy Authority? That lasted a fucking sip of coffee. Hey, at least the McMahons weren't on Raw this week saying that again. At least that was the positive. I was expecting. I was. I was honestly fully expecting Vince to appear on the show this week saying something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, it just. Yeah, just the show is just like this week's Raw. Was just I thought it might be different, especially coming after TSA. It's kind of like the SummerSlam. Like after good SummerSlam, I'm like, oh, like Raw's be better. No, <laughs> stop, still. And it's still that bad. I just, they just, they thinking, their thinking just sucks. Like, fix, take the hit now and fix the problems. Because then down the line, if you fix those problems, your show would be good and people tune in. If you just keep pushing out the same shit, then you push out one Legends week, it's still not going to fix the problem at the end of the day. At the end of the day, your roster's not that good. You have a good roster of wrestlers, but there's only like two or three people that actually mean anything. <laughs> That is the problem. But they don't think that. They think if they bring back Shawn Michaels and he super kicks Elias in two weeks, <laughs> that also is going to pop a big rating. But then the next week... I love that example. Because it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, he'll get hit in the head by a guitar by Jeff Jarrett. Like, no one will care. But then, like, that doesn't make these people any better because you're just not... Do- I just... It's a broken record at this point. The company's just... They just need to think smartly i mean it's vince but, let's face it it's vince mcmahon it, it, without vince him, there it's, i think it's a lot better of a situation i'll even i'll even give him the pandemic excuse because if we're not really hardcore into wrestling yes has the show suffered a lot since there's no crowd yes i'll agree on that so i'll give him some slack on the pandemic but it's also you're putting out shit content <laughs> so it's like the hardcore people are the only ones that are going to watch and that's not even like i would consider myself a hardcore viewer and i don't even really watch raw couldn't tell you the last time I watched Raw through to through. It just there's always something on there that I don't care about, or just repeat city that I don't need to waste my time watching. They need to focus on what they have, build up, and make new stars. How many fucking times do we have to say it? <laughs> what are they going to do when Goldberg and Undertaker are dead? They're going to be screwed. <laughs> They're going to be trying to lie out there to be to be working with these people. And the ring- <laughs> oh, yeah. Elias will be a household name. I have to get a super kick by Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Well, Elias and Jackson a- Riker. Forgot about Jackson Riker, too. He beat Grim and Lake on Raw this week. Just, that- <laughs> <laughs> I love like, that. I like, the, like Angel Garza. It's like, okay, like pushing him. So, like, 
like that's like a small glimmer of hope but then they do so much other stupid shit then it was like the show will never change yeah, I just don't get it. And the thing is, though, I got to play devil's advocate here because, to their credit, they have built up some stars in the last couple of years. Like, I can't say they haven't built up anybody. Like, obviously, they made a star to Drew McIntyre. He's had a great 2020, I would say. Um, he's become a, not a household name, obviously, but like a main event player in this company in 2020. But, like, beyond him, though, you really got to be scratching the bottom of the barrel. It's not like, you know, when they said, oh, we're going to give you what you want, they did give us what we wanted in certain respects. But the problem is that long-term, I mean, you look at WrestleMania 35, dude. Look at WrestleMania 35. They gave us what we wanted with WrestleMania 35. We are a year and a half removed from that show. The three biggest people on that show that they gave us what we wanted were Becky Lynch, who's no longer on the show because she got pregnant. That's not the company's fault, but the thing with Becky Lynch is like, okay, I mean, again, we can go on this, we can do an entire episode about this, but like, okay, you don't have Becky Lynch anymore. Who is there to kind of fill in the void? To kind of make it seem like a seamless transition. Nobody. Not even Asuka means anything. She's a loser. She's been the Raw Women's Champion for most of the year. And I just could not give... I don't think Asuka has ever meant less than she does right now in this company. So that's one issue. Kofi Kingston. They gave him his grand moment. He was champion for six months. He immediately went back to main event tag team purgatory. And I'm not talking about main event like WWE title picture. I'm talking about main event the E show of the WWE. And then Seth Rollins won the title. His babyface push was completely flopped. Uh, for, you know, again, that was other reasons too. And he's no longer on the show right now either for other reasons that aren't, you know, the problem of the company, but it just goes to show you need other people to kind of help fill in the void when these people aren't around. If Roman got hurt again, this company is so screwed. It's ridiculous. Like that guy is single handedly carried SmackDown for the latter half of 2020. Drew McIntyre has carried raw for most of 2020. Bray Wyatt, Alexa Bliss, I enjoy I like the hurt business, but for every hurt business, there's a retribution. I mean, come on, man. Why is that still a thing? Why is retribution still on my show, giving me just nausea every time I see them walk out to the ring with the camera flicking, you know, going back and forth and stuff? It's ridiculous. And, uh, I mean, I think you just summed it up right there. Shawn Michaels super kicking Elias next week. Not next week, I'm sorry. The week after on Raw, the first Raw 2021, um, is not going to solve diddly shit. And it's just amazing to me. I really just don't understand it. So that's raw for you in a nutshell, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I completely, like, it's one of those things. So like you said, like, why are they pushing retribution out every week? So it's like their attempt to try to make new stars. But the whole presentation, like, if they just push the group as, like, like people that are overlooked and, like, this is their shot and Mustafa Ali's giving them their, like, breakout performance and they just look like, like, I'm fine with the black attire. Like, they're rebels, fine. Lose the fucking mask. Like, once they debuted the way they did, it's just everyone's just like, okay, these guys are goofs. Then they lost a shit ton, and now they're just kicking the shit out of Ricochet. So it's like, if they just made them, like, we were overlooked, and now, like, we're joining Mustafa Ali, and now we're going to, like, be big-time players, and they actually went on and won something, and they're like, actually dominant. And it's just, like, the way they presented them off the bat, they were screwed from there, and they haven't recovered since. It's like they try, but the way that they try is just so cartoony and it's like stupid it's like 19 mid 90s like thinking with like the fucking gimmicks of like regular day daytime jobs like the plumber and the fucking goon and just like stupid shit like that like in theory it could work but the way they present it sucks and they've neglected the women's division like yes i feel like alexa bliss is one of their one of those women that we didn't even see really on NXT. she she flourished carmella i would say the same but besides the four horsemen and oscar Lately, we haven't seen anyone. 
Like, they have the women. I like Payne Royce. They broke up Hill and Billy Kay just to put her in another tag team, which makes no sense. They just, like, make new stars. And they, like you said, especially with the men, now that they don't have Seth there, now that Kofi Kingston's basically just another guy, mid-carder, Daniel Bryan really hasn't been on the show since the pandemic. If Roman was out, SmackDown would be in deep trouble. <laughs> deep trouble. That's a that's three E's on deep. Like, what they, they would probably just push Goldberg at this point because they have no one else. Braun was, like, a nice little buffer, but, sheesh. I mean, they need a... Braun could have been bigger, too. They screwed the pooch on that. They, him losing the Roman and Brock so many times, he could have been, like, the solid big man that you could push if necessary, and he'd be, like, another big to big-time player if they needed him, and they just screwed the pooch with that. Mm-hmm. His WWE Championship or Universal title run was a fucking flop. Dude, the iron was ice cold when they struck on that one. <laughs> ice cold? It was fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Glacial, it was, it was in the snow when they struck on that one. So, I just... We've discussed this a lot. Strike when the iron's hot. They've failed to do that with a lot of new people. I mean, Rollins, Roman, that's KO, I'd give them that. I mean, besides that, They've really screwed the pooch, Daniel Bryan as well. But the women especially, besides Asuka and the four horsewomen and Alexa Bliss, there's not really any stars. Bianca has the potential. Rhea's got the potential when she eventually gets called up. I think Peyton's got the potential if they give her some time. Um, NXT Women's Division has a ton of potential as well. So they have the pieces there. It's just, you have the pieces, you just got to fit them in the right place. And I feel like Vince McMahon gets a puzzle and he just, Throws all the throws a few pieces away, and then there's nowhere to put the other pieces. Yeah. So they're just like, oh, we'll push them for a few, t-. and they just give up too quickly. Like I said, small time loss to future gain. Yes, your ratings might go down if you're pushing X, Y, and Z, but you gotta at least attempt it and then try to get them over. He puts them someone out there for a week, and it doesn't work, and you're just like, up oh, off the main event, and then you don't even give them a fucking fair shake, and then they're just another person in the system that just never makes it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, on that note, that's going to close out our Christmas edition of WrestleRant Radio you heard today, complaining about Monday Night Raw, but rightfully so, just with all the issues that this uh, product has at the moment. There's a lot to like, too, and there's a lot to be uh, thankful for this Christmas season, but a lot that we should be fixing on, you know, that we should be fixing and focusing on fixing in the new year come 2021. But we'll talk about our New Year's predictions and whatnot come next week's show. We're going to be breaking down the 2020 WWE slash AEW slash NXT year in review awards right here, right on WrestleRant Radio for the December 31st edition of the show. Uh, it's going to be the pay-per-view, um, you know, pay-per-view of the year, match of the year, superstar of the year, all this other stuff. Quick glimpse into what we're getting next week, though, and you can vote on WrestleRant.com, by the way. You can check out the beginning of the top of the homepage. The link is right there. But, Mr. Marceau, quick glimpse into what we're getting next week. Who was the real superstar of the year for you, Roman Reigns or Pat Mahomes from the Chiefs? Oh, um, I don't think I even vote for either of them. Let me get the Pat out. Let's see. Pat Mahomes <laughs> had a great 2020. I mean, go Chiefs. Um, yeah, I didn't vote for... I don't think I voted for him. Was Roman in the Superstar of the Year? Yeah, <laughs> he was in the Superstar of the Year. Yeah, maybe I didn't give it to him. I didn't give it to him because I think... Uh, I mean, he's definitely the best thing right now, but... As a yearly thing, I didn't give it to him, unfortunately. Who's had a better 2020, Pat Mahomes or Roman Reigns? Uh, Pat Mahomes. I mean, he won the Super Bowl. Won the Super Bowl, had a kid. Guy's killing it right now. Getting married, I mean. Getting married. 
He's getting married. Love me some Pat Mahomes. Go Chiefs. I called it months ago, going back to the big old Super Bowl. Uh, what, what's the game going to be? What's the prediction, Mr. Marceau, at this point? I mean, you're, you're like, sinking your teeth in for the Chiefs here. I mean, <laughs> I, I probably – I mean, th- that's not a bad bet. So, probably Chiefs – I was thinking Pat's Bucks, but I, I want the Chiefs back in the Super Bowl. Two-time, baby. Two years in a row. Well, the Patriots got eliminated the other day. So yeah, I heard gonna... that. Well, that was my original prediction, so that's not going to happen. I'll say... The thing is, like, Chiefs is... Like, you feel like an idiot. It's like voting against Roman Reigns with the Chiefs at this point, so... <laughs> I'll say it's going to be the Chiefs... Damn, that's a tough one. Chiefs... What about the Bucks? The Bucks suck. What? Chiefs, I'll you say Chiefs... and Brady! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're I'll talking about sh- building new stars. <laughs> exactly. It's like that's WWE right there, building your stars. <laughs> two old dinosaurs. I'll say this is so hard. I hate how you get this tonight. I feel like the patch of the WWE to um the Bucks TNA from like ten years ago when they were bringing in all the old guys every week. I feel like it's the, the same re- thing. The real hard part is like Chiefs are in the AFC, which is like they're kind of like the front runner, but the NFC is like a lot of like. They're all like kind of the same, but they all have the same weaknesses. So the NFC will be tougher. I'll say Chiefs and Seahawks, but that's just that's just the Seahawks. Point. Okay, all right, not a bad pick. We got to break down the Super Bowl game this year on the show. We we will need to. <laughs> Can't wait. Will there be fans in attendance for that or no? Um, it's going to be in Tampa, so I think they already said there will be limited fans since they've already allowed that. Okay. I mean, the Daytona 500 already said there's going to be limited fans there in Florida as well, so uh, we'll see. All right, looking forward to Mr. Marceau. Enjoy your Christmas Eve, and by the way, I forgot to mention this, new episodes of the show every single Thursday. Doesn't matter if it's Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve or whatever the hell the holiday might be, Thanksgiving we did a show on about a month ago. You can check out new episodes every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Podbean. We will be back next week, as I mentioned earlier, to break down the 2020 Year in Review Awards at underscore, or I'm sorry, at RJ underscore Marceau on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant for myself. Have a great one, guys. Mr. Marceau, enjoy your Christmas Eve, as I mentioned. Go watch Home Alone for the 502nd time, and I'll catch your ass down the reindeer road, brother. See you later, Jason.